1: All right, welcome to Adventist Voices from Spectrum Magazine. I'm Alexander Carpenter, and it's an honor for me to be talking with two Loma Linda University medical students. I have Martha Dua with me. Welcome, Martha.
0: Hi,
2: thanks for having me.
1: Yeah, it's great to have you here. And then Adrian Green. Hello, Adrian.
2: Hello, thanks for having us.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, I want to thank you actually for, uh, being in the podcast game and doing it so well. Um, so we're going to be talking about your, um, really incredible podcasts that I have enjoyed listening to. And, um, I'd love for both of you to talk about how you got this idea for doing a medical history in color and, um you know, what the kind of, uh, ideas were and how you kind of put it together.
0: I think over the summer, so like before I even started bioethics program, I was talking to Adrian and she was telling me how she had, um, like a podcast idea. And I was like, Oh, you know, it'd be really interesting for me to do some podcasts. And then I told her, you know, uh, later on, I would, like, love to be on a third podcast. So then, um, so I had, like, podcasting in the back of my mind. And then maybe, like, a few weeks later, I wrote a paper for um, one of my rotations, my dissertation, about basically being black in medical school. And then I decided to, I took my year off to do Master's in Bioethics, and one of my bosses, Dr. Lee, was telling me about how much she liked my paper, and she gave me like comments about it. and she gave me an idea to like write a paper to get published about um, being black in um, med school and all these other things that have to do with like, being black in medicine, even like patient wise. So I was like, oh, why don't I just do a podcast instead? Because I hate writing.
1: <laughs> so I was like, why don't
0: I do a podcast instead? And, um, and then Adrian came to my mind. I was like, she be the perfect person to be the co-host. So I asked Adrian, and then Natalie, um, I guess. Nice. Right,
2: and I had really wanted to do some work um, kind of giving Black students a little bit more of a voice, because I think often in medicine, um, the conversation, and rightly so, centers around Black patients, but we're not talking as much, I guess, about Black students and what we're encountering in medical education, and even the significance of us being here. So I was really excited when Martha asked me to work on this with her, because I felt like it was a really good vehicle for um, giving a platform to medical student voices and Black medical student voices.
1: Yeah, you know, one of the things that I really appreciate about your podcast, in addition to really unlocking a lot of the history of race, racism that's connected to medical work, um, is that you have that kind of opening where you're uh, giving a voice to a bunch of, I assume, are your, your, your classmates talking about kind of what it's really Mm -hmm. like to be a student in medical school. Um, so are those just kind of people that you know from campus
2: yeah they were um, our classmates between the first second third years and um some of the fourth years
1: that's great um i um i think one of the things that um adventism uh often misses is really going into that history of abolitionism because adventists were a part of that in a lot of ways For and sure. then um, for, uh, from kind of structural racist reasons, for trying to be seen as kind of middle class, good white evangelicals, maybe in the 40s and 50s, really downplayed a little bit of that radical um, history. And I'm curious if you've, you know, as you've been looking at the history, what sort of things have you been learning as you uh, see, um, you know, the connection between healthcare? and race and religion?
2: Well, the first thing for me is that I really enjoyed learning how much more active um, medical students were at the time because the curriculum was much different, right? So
0: um,
2: they had honestly more time for activism. Their curriculum at its most standardized at the earliest they we're talking about the 1800s going into the 1900s they only had to do a year of coursework and I didn't even have to do that coursework full time because medical education at least for black students was structured so that they could get jobs in the evening and actually pay for medical school because I mean,
0: medical school tuition was also much lower
2: um, so I think that's been one of the things that really sticks out to me is that it seems like for both like the um, white physicians we're discussing and the white abolitionists and then for the black um, students and the enslaved people we're talking about there seemed to be this duty to be politically active in addition to being a physician. Um, The two were rarely separate, it seems.
1: That's interesting. That connection between work-life balance sounds like uh, it paid off and allowed people to maybe, you know, live out their beliefs and be more involved in their communities than sometimes Mm -hmm. it's allowed today. But Martha, were you going to say something?
0: Oh yeah. So I think for me, I think um, what surprised me in our research was at first what agents said about how we were more political, at least the medical students, the black medical students were more, were more political. But also, um, I was surprised at how, how hard, I guess, people work to keep the... Um, like the status quo with white um, with white physicians being on top. So we're working on our, we're working on our second episode. So I guess it's not out to public yet. But seeing how hard people work, even if you had qualified um, like midwives or people who knew about taking care of enslaved people or taking care of people in general, because that they were black. Um, how hard like doctors fought to like keep them down, and even using like excuses such as religion that people were beneath them, um, or that the things that the enslaved people were doing, or the medicine that they were practicing was um, like hocus pocus. It was like witchcraft, trying to really downplay them and like demonize them.
1: Huh, that's interesting. Sounds like uh, obviously um, gender had. Uh, something to do with that as well. And it's, you know, that's a pretty well documented history where, you know, women knowing women's bodies has been something Uh that once kind of men became professionalized as experts, they like kind of basically took over that area of control as well in a lot of ways. Is that kind of what you're talking about?
2: yeah it's funny you mentioned that because literally our second episode we talk a lot about um how that split our division and the social hierarchies between black and white and then men and women shaped how people saw certain providers so you're honestly like right on the money with that one um it's very interesting
1: <laughs> great well i'm looking forward to this next episode we'll definitely be linking this to the page in spectrum um when it goes out so um that'll be a good uh, Coming attractions. Um, on that note of kind of intersectionality, where it's not uh, just talking about kind of binary political differences, but how those can sometimes get structured within, can you talk a little bit about what it's like uh, doing this as um, students who are in training to be, um, you know, physicians? Um, in the world. um, And, you know, I don't know exactly. Maybe if you wouldn't mind just telling me about where. um, So Adrian, you're a third year student. Martha, you finish your third year and you're spending a year doing a a master's in um, bioethics. Would you both mind just talking a little bit about what your kind of professional aspirations are and how thinking about this history um, is affecting the way that you're kind of envisioning your professional lives.
0: Um, for me, I kind of went into psychiatry, and um, I would really like to use my, with my bioethics, my bioethics degree in that in, in practice, I want to like speak up for my patients and to because I have a. Ethics um, actually be taken seriously when I talk about like injustices that are being done to patients, and I want to go back home to Ghana, that's where I'm from, and sort of be able to like work with the government and talk about issues that mental that mental illness patients have in Ghana, how it's mental illness is still not seen as that big of a issue or as a medical disease. Um, so that's where I see my bioethics Like degree coming in But What I've been learning through this podcast Has shown me that The importance of advocating for like My black patients And also my black co-workers While I'm going through this journey I would I used to get super frustrated um, When I would think that I would be the only black person in an area. Like, um, a lot of my rotations, I was just the only black person the in the team. And I realized it's going to be the rest of my life. Like, I'm only going to live the rest of my life. but if I stay in the United States, the rest of my life is going to look like this. So, I realized that the things I'm doing in this podcast, when I am, but I do find the, but I do find I'm the only. Person of color the only black person in a team that able to sort of like to speak up about things that are
2: happening Yeah
1: That's great. So you're planning would, on heading you're gonna after you graduate um, Go to Ghana at some point
0: um, Well, I have to work here first, you know pay off my student loans
1: <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> but, that's, but that's my
2: goal that's my end goal
1: Great and Adrian
2: um, I would say for me, the project that we're doing has made me take my education a bit more seriously. In some ways, it's not that I didn't take it seriously before, but I think much like Martin's saying, it kind of taught me that it's not that I'm walking into a career or into a job or into something that's going to give me a paycheck. I really am walking into a role where potentially a lot of advocacy is possible, and almost my duty as one of the few Black physicians in a room and that will be in most most healthcare settings. I am completely undecided about what specialty I will end up doing, but I knew coming into medical school that whatever I ended up doing, I would eventually transition into healthcare policy. And so I'm thinking that I will probably end up doing something similar to Martha, probably like a site, psych- um, psychiatry residency or a site prep med combo of some sort.
1: That's great. Um, so, um, I wish you both the best in your, uh, Uh, And you're, you know, finishing up your education and heading off to paying off those loans. And then um, uh, one of the great traditions, I once helped a friend of mine, his uh, um, grandfather's um, friend had passed away. So uh, we were on break actually from Andrews, drove down to Ohio and we helped um, kind of unpack the house. And we just I just re- remember taking all these books off his shelf. And this guy was a physician there in Ohio. And um, I was just amazed at all these kind of books on theology, philosophy, ethics that he had as well. And here he was, you know, just kind of a you know, small town doctor, but he was obviously someone who was also a thought leader in his community. And I always thought that, you know, obviously part of a lot of spectrum readers are those type of folks that continue to learn and contribute to the communities that they're a part of. So I, f- I feel like both of you are on that trajectory and I, I love it. Um, yeah. One quick question, um, a totally changing, uh, topics a little bit, but something that I love is the graphic design for your podcast. How in the world did you come up? Who did this amazing um, image? And of course, we'll have a link to it. But it takes the Loma Linda University logo and gives it a Black Power salute as well. Um, Mm -hmm. Where did that come from?
0: So that is from my friend. Um, We went to to high school together in Green Spring and then um, we went to Andrew's together and she's an artist. So I always told myself if I ever need art, I obviously really want to support my friend so I asked her to do it. So I contacted her, contacted her, her name is Kiara and um, I sort of told her what the podcast would be about. She sent some sketches back and forth and um, and through like revisions and yeah through revisions we ended up with that um that uh graphic
1: that's great i like everything going on there the color the kind of feel of it um i it has to live on somewhere for a long time so uh, Mm -hmm. definitely you know uh, i expect not just more episodes but more series just so that people can appreciate this great art um, okay, so we are living in the time of uh, kind of strange crises, at least for many Americans listening to this. Um, and both of you are um, experts in medicine, I assume, infectious disease as well. Like you've, you're um, probably more than we're hearing from the White House these days. In fact, i oh. I would love your opinions on. A uh, couple of things here. One is just what it's like being, um, you know, medical professionals in a time when, you know, we're not looking at politicians as much on like cable news. We're listening to doctors um, over and over again on Good Morning America. You know, we're just learning lots more about how diseases spread, and then also, so what it's like kind of be, living in that world with the knowledge that you have, and then. Um, and then how are you like, what are, like, is campus shut down or are, are you, or, you know, what are you, how are medical students spending their time?
2: Marsha knows that I have a lot of opinions about this. <laughs> Great. Okay. <laughs> um, so we just recently, um, this week our administration met about whether or not third and fourth years should continue one clerkship, um, per the AMC recommendation that we withdraw from clerkship for at least two weeks and then reassess in those two weeks um, whether there's gonna be a different plan for our learning, how we could be involved in treating coronavirus, if we should be involved in treating coronavirus. Um, another thing I guess that's been, so I guess from the med student level, you're wondering, how can I even be involved in treating this when, you know, I'm still learning so much about the clinical environment, I'm still learning where I fit into the clinical environment, and people still trust me with so little as a med student. You know, um, like I hear sometimes older doctors talk about, you know, when they were learning practice medicine, and it seems like they were trusted with a lot more clinical responsibility than in this day and age, partly due to some legal constraints. Yeah. Um, so it's, that's kind of interesting. I'm also starting to see, um, I really expected more of, some of my med student peers. So there seems to be this very clear division between medical students who are public health conscious and who are okay with following the CDC's recommendations and then there's another cohort of med students who are not as interested in following those recommendations. Um, Maybe because they have, yes, it's very interesting um, (laughs) because they have less public health background. I do not see that coming, of course, from actual providers, like, you know, the residents, the attending. but the medical students, I think that sometimes our world is dwarfed, you know, because a lot of our life comes down to evaluations and um, exam grades, and so I'm starting to see this very clear division between who will become public health conscious providers and who will be the sort of um, practitioners who will practice absent public health consciousness.
1: I feel like you're trying to say something there. Are you disturbed by uh, something that's going on?
2: I am a little disturbed, not by our administration, but just um, some of the things that some of the dates that some of the students have had between themselves. Because oh. um, as you know, this week was math week, and so people seem very concerned with how to celebrate that thing over keeping, you know, some of the guidelines about um, social distancing and how to keep from overwhelming our healthcare system.
1: Yeah, that's great. I think you know it. Coming back to social ethics, just the idea of social distancing and how, especially for folks who are at low risk and perhaps think of themselves as smarter and healthier than everyone else um, are going out and behaving in ways that can put uh high risk people at even greater risk. And
2: mm-hmm. it's
1: really about um, ego in a lot of ways and education.
2: Yeah. So that part has been a little disheartening because we are young people and um, we are in the demographic that might not be at the highest risk for Complications or fatality due to COVID disease, but I definitely hope to see more consciousness, I guess, in um, in medical students regarding this issue. Um,
1: That's great. So. Yeah. Um, since we're just getting things off our chest, Martha, anything that you'd like to <laughs> rant about?
2: <laughs> <laughs> um.
0: I mean, i ranted about the issue Agent talking about with my roommate, so I can't that out of my system. But it is really... It is really... Disappointing to see where... Not even just medical... For medical students to see where people, different people's uh, priorities lie. Um, I remember there was like back and forth between... Um, so third and fourth years, they should stay on their rotations, or they should be pulled out of their rotations. And um, my roommate and I noticed that just sort of there were like two camps: there are people who were very much focused on like wanting to stay in rotations because they didn't want to delay like graduation, or if they'll get and if they delay graduation, if their residency spots will be given away to other people, which is a very valid concern. Um, and like it's a very valid, very important concern. But then there were also those who were. On the other side, we're saying that um, third and fourth years need to be pulled out from the hospital because we're taking um, like, um, we're taking up equipment that the hospital needs, for example, like masks and gloves and like things like that. Like We shouldn't be using them when the actual providers who are providing all that care need them and like they're like running out. And also they're, they're, the camp was also worried about spreading it to other people unknowingly and um yeah So if we weren't really if we aren't really useful I don't want to say useful if we aren't yeah yeah actually useful if we aren't that useful in the in, in the um in the system but so we're here taking up space taking up equipment and um, possibly like being asymptomatic carriers or really having really mild disease and like spreading it to other patients or coming back home and like just spreading it around the community. So those are like the sort of two different camps. And I was, I was frustrated at the camps. I was worried about me graduating. And I thought that was the least of our concerns. (laughs) So that's what I've been like ranting about uh, lately. But I mean, the system just has to figure something out, at least like the medical school system and the AMC. Because, like, granted, like, taking weeks off your clinical education will put people back. And it is really concerning to, um, to wonder if, like, your residency spot will be taken away, if graduation will be pushed back. So these are really valid concerns that I think, shouldn't be the students worry it should really be the um, administration's problems and they should like come up with solutions to like relieve the fears and then the med students should worry about being helpful in the situation how they can like if they want to help doctors like babysit their kids or like run errands to the doctors um, who can't do anything or just worry about social distancing and how to can protect the society that should be our concern
1: yeah Thank you, both of you, um, for uh, saying what's on your mind there. I, I, um, I think you raise a really interesting point, which I hadn't really thought about, which is, you know, what we have this critical lack of N95 masks and, and other um, things, um, obviously sure. testing kits. And it's incredible how, like, who we choose as political leaders And the values that we have make such a huge difference. I will never forget the fact that Donald Trump uh, and the people who surround him and enable him are causing just this kind of – just not only is it leading to all this chaos, but the sort of individual – anxieties of millions of people are exacerbated by the fact that it's pretty clear that he ignored um, the advice of uh, public health officials for weeks, if not months. And uh, as a result, this chaos is just uh, spreading all over. So that's my contribution to this rant.
2: (laughs) (laughs) It's true. They really delayed our response um, Mm -hmm. with, I guess, their initial unwillingness to respond aggressively. Um, and I guess
1: they'll see the outcomes of that in time. Yeah. Um, you know, leadership matters. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right. So wrapping up here, you mentioned about your upcoming um, episode. And I'm just curious uh, really briefly for folks who want to kind of tune into your project here, uh, medical history and color. Um, what other topics do you think you might address or what, what sort of um, angles might you take in the future?
2: We have a whole um, outline of episodes, so this episode coming up is going to be about slave medicine and kind of enslaved people's contributions to medicine and medical research, um, but in the future, we want to bring our topics a bit more present and talk a bit about um, residents and attendings and their experiences as Black residents and attendings. Um, we want to talk about hospital integration, because I think that's a history that is not exactly very new for me, the, um, the history of doctors trying to get in hospitals to practice, once technically they weren't barred from medical school. Um, Interesting. What do you think, Martha?
0: Yeah, and also, um, the, we, there is a topic where I kind of want to explore the Adventist contribution to both negative and positive contributions to um, systematic racism within the, uh, within the hospitals, within like Adventist hospitals. And um, medical school. So that'll be
1: interesting. Great. Well, I'm looking forward to uh, hearing those. Thank you both for talking with me today. And okay. um, I wish you the best. Stay uh, stay healthy out there.
2: <laughs> Thank All you. Right. You
0: too. Thank you.
1: All right. Bye bye.
0: Bye. Yes, I knew, Sister White.
1: We will not fear.
2: The kingdom is alive. The kingdom's on the move with the poor and the meek and the hungry and the lonely. Oh, I'll
1: never forget it.